First, use the bed for sleep and sex only. I know we hear this. A lot of people don't do this. I tell people if they want to read on paper for like 15 to 20 minutes at the start of night to make the transition, that's fine. But you don't want to go any longer than that because the more you spend in bed doing non-sleep stuff, the more you're telling yourself, your body, your mind, that that is for being awake, not for being asleep. Hi, everyone. This is Diane Gilman, formerly the Queen of Jeans, but now the proud host of my podcast, Too Young to Be Old, which, by the way, is also the title of my second book. Well, I'm going to ask my audience a question. When is the last time you got a great night's sleep? I mean a night's sleep where you slept through the entire night and woke up in the morning refreshed. Oh, I don't see too many hands raised there, and I'm right along with you. Well, guess who we have today? We have a certified psychologist and, most importantly to me, a certified sleep specialist, Anna Bersaluti. Anna, I have to ask you, what is going on in America? They say four out of five Americans do not get enough sleep. I know that for people over 50, especially women, as we start to lose those female hormones, sleep really changes and becomes very interrupted. For me, I sleep about two hours at a time. I actually have to go to bed two hours earlier because I know I'm going to lose two hours along the way. And now I'm so upset, all these senators on the hill want to get rid of tiktok tiktok is my sleep aid i watch tiktok like at least two hours a night usually 3 a.m <laughs> to 5 a.m not out of choice trust me so talk to us how can we get a better night's sleep especially without sleep drugs Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I'm really super excited to be here. And for those of you who are watching on the video, you might get to see my supervisor slash the world's cutest kitty, Timothy Mouse. No, no, (laughs) no. Excuse me. I happen to have possibly the world, okay, the interstellar cutest kitty, (laughs) Mr. Fuzzy, but all right. I love that name. Okay. so. Diane, so yes, America is definitely not sleeping enough. You, We know this. And we're in this really strange place with sleep where there's this pull between you know, the whole I'll sleep when I'm dead hustle culture. You know, people <laughs> consider sleep to be a waste of time. And on the other hand, we have this pounding into our heads and our brains that everybody must get eight hours of sleep every single night. And the truth is, you know, with many of it, it's somewhere in the middle. Typically, adults need an average of seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And it's interesting that you mentioned not sleeping through the night because that is a big myth that people have about sleep, which is that they want to be able to go to bed, put their head on the pillow, fall asleep like that, and then 
sleep straight through for eight or nine hours. That's my dream. I swear. Okay. And I will ask you the same thing I ask my patients who come in with that request, which is, are you 17? Uh, no, I'm 77, 78. And it all started changing in menopause. Yep. And I stopped being able to get a full night's sleep. And I was getting bad nightmares. I took care of it with hormone replacement. But the sleep part of it never went back. And then I got mm -hmm. into a profession where you were often in the studio at 10 p.m. and you didn't mm -hmm. get out of the studio till 3 a.m. But mm -hmm. then you were back in the studio, this is disgusting, as early as 7 a.m. again. So my body, um, and I did that for 30 years, my body got totally out of any kind of rhythm and i don't want to take i don't want to take um mm -hmm. drugs because ambien really scares me but i do take melatonin so for the audience what is melatonin why is mm -hmm. it considered a safe alternative and is it truly a good alternative Oh, that is a really good question. And melatonin is one of those interesting things where it's kind of like coffee and eggs, where it's like one week it's considered beneficial and another week it's not. So where we are right now. So first, melatonin is not a sleep drug. It's not uh, like Ambien. It's not like Lunesta, those that basically tell the brain to release the sleepy chemical, the calming chemical GABA. It's also not like Benadryl, which is an antihistamine, uh. which also has an other effect on the brain and is a calming effect. Now, melatonin is the substance that our brain releases when it's time to start transitioning to bed. Uh. So it's notice I say transitioning to bed, not going to sleep. So when most people take melatonin, they're taking it completely wrong. They take it, I think the bottles typically say take it, you know, a half hour before bed. No, you want to take your melatonin about nine to 10 hours before your desired wake up time, because that is your body's dim light melatonin onset or the Dilmo, which always makes me giggle because it sounds a little naughty. So you want to take it around your Dilmo in order to then be able to relax into sleep. As for who should take melatonin, it's actually not supposed to be used as a regular sleep aid every night for 20 years. Oh it is God. more for... It is more for people who have circadian rhythm problems. So, for example, my patients who have a delayed circadian rhythm where their internal clock is set later than the rest yeah. of the world, they'll use it to help them scoot earlier. It's also potentially really useful for cross-time zone travel. The concern is right. that if you use melatonin too regularly, then you could negatively impact your own brain's ability to make melatonin. That's ongoing research. And there is also some question as to whether older people might benefit from melatonin because their brain naturally makes less anyway. I was reading last night that around menopause, melatonin production goes down, but then goes back up. So huh? yeah, it's like with many things with sleep, which is something that we all do, but is still sort of a mystery in a lot of ways, melatonin fits right into that. So then I decided 
okay, well, I'm taking melatonin, but I get like two or three hours sleep. Then I wake up, then I go back to sleep again. Then at about 3 a.m., I'm on TikTok watching, listening to the Eagles perform Hotel California and watching baby kitty videos. And um, I never get a full night's sleep. So I decided to go on a quest, which was, damn it, I need sleep. How am I going to get it? I see these advertisements on cable TV for different kinds of sound. Mm-hmm. Green sound, pink sound, brown sound. So I go to try that. And that drove me completely <laughs> crazy. It was like, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to go to sleep with this? So <laughs> what do you think of all those sounds? And, and how did that whole thing come to be? I'm not entirely sure how it came to be, possibly with people using white noise to help them sleep and then uh-huh. somebody was like oh let's let's make some money off of this and uh-huh. have different kinds of noise colored noise honestly when it comes to things like that whether it's the noise whether it's the gadgets it's really working against what you want to do which is to make sleep easy and natural uh-huh our body has the ability to sleep. Our brains have the ability to shut down. The thing is that everything in modern life works against it. Yeah. And so when I have people say, well, what about falling asleep to the meditations? Or what about falling asleep to this noise or music? I tell them, you know, what's going to happen if you have an ice storm? Or here in the South, I'm in Atlanta, we have the occasional hurricane remnants that come through and you lose power or internet for a while you can't charge your device you can't connect to things what are you going to do that so that's why i encourage people to make sleep as simple as possible well um you know i thought i was going to sleep better i moved to um a penthouse uh, and i am luckiest girl in the world and love my environment but yeah, I yeah you have heard- a beautiful view by the way i keep wanting to like scoot over so i can see more it's a natural lake in central park it's called the harlem mirror and it's gorgeous it's got white swans black neck geese i've had giant adult hawks birds of real birds of prey perch right on my windowsill it's incredible it's it's nature encapsulated in the city so long story short Mm -hmm. i moved someplace where i'm right across the street from central park most of it is water a lake so you're not having a high tourism thing going and I also used to live in an apartment building where the people next door, oh my God, <laughs> have like a juvenile delinquent who would mm. go out, come home three days later at 3 a.m. There'd be screaming, things thrown into the wall. So I really wanted to move someplace where there was no possibility of noise. And I have the entire top floor to myself, no other neighbors. So now it didn't help my sleep. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. It, it just made it nicer to be awake in the middle of the night. But I'm wondering, and I'll bet you that part of our audience is too, are there foods that really promote sailing into sleep or staying asleep? Should be, there be something we should be eating 
in the evening that's going to help us? Not necessarily. The only food stuff sort of thing that I know that has research behind it to help people sleep is tart cherry juice, which, you know, may or may not work. Uh, You know, it's got research behind it. I've had patients who've tried it. It's they haven't really found it to be beneficial. So a couple of things to think about food wise. So first, you don't want to go to bed hungry, but you also don't want to go to bed super full. Yeah. You want to you want to have that nice balance. It's also possible that you know, you can find a certain mix of like protein and carbohydrates, for example, that might help you to maintain your blood sugar levels through the night. Okay. Okay. So, right. and you know, but what do a lot of people tend to do in the evening? They tend to snack on high sugar things, which of course is going to make sleep worse because oh, you're yeah. spiking your insulin. Your body isn't sure what it's supposed to be doing. And then the other thing that I caution people about is when it comes to things like intermittent fasting. You know, a lot of times people will have their their meal interval later in the day. That's However, me. It's, there's a concern then that because you are not having breakfast, something first thing in the morning, what you're not doing is signaling to your body that, hey, now it's time to be awake. Because the two main things that help us be awake, the two main things that help us set our internal clock are the wavelength of sunlight, which unfortunately is also the wavelength of most of our screens, and eating. So if you want to really anchor your wake-up time, which will help to anchor your clock, you want to get up at the same time every day, eat, and get natural light. I do that. I I definitely get up and I have one slice of bread with, you know, organic manuka honey on it and really strong coffee at somewhere around 7 a.m. in the morning. Every morning, mm-hmm. I'm really like a creature of habit. Then we Good. go to, oh, I'm sorry. And then I have my main meal before 2 p.m. And then that's the end of food for me. And that works for my body type. And I I don't really feel that hungry anymore. Now I've gotten used to it. But I don't want to eat heavy meals at night. I have a problem Mm -hmm. with digestion. And I also don't know that that heaviness is good for sleep. Oh, no, definitely not. Ah, so I'm going to ask another question. Mm -hmm. There is so much controversy around sleep and how to get the correct amount and the right type of sleep. So I hear two points of view with exercise. Mm -hmm. The first is, oh, it's great. You're going to get all this blood circulation. You'll oxygenate your blood. That's going to help with the pain in my shoulder and my knee and whatever. And then I hear, no, don't exercise at night. That is a disaster. Now you're going to be more energized and have nowhere to put that energy. So, Anna, what is your take on exercise for sleep? That is a really interesting question because it is totally one of those, it depends on the person. And so if you are somebody who is energized by exercise, then doing it later in the night and the evening might not be good. And indeed, the research on exercise and sleep shows that when they've studied this, that the best time to exercise for sleep is first thing in the morning, followed by lunchtime. 
However, you know, a lot of us work work regular day jobs and there's a certain subset of us and I'm like this and I've had patients like this as well where if we exercise first thing in the morning, we are shot for the rest of the day. We are toast. I'm exhausted. And so for us, exercising in the evening is actually better because huh. that way we are actually getting ourselves tired and we are burning off some of that cortisol that might have built up through the day through various stresses and anxiety. So I tell my patients, you know, that the best time to exercise is when it fits in your schedule. And if you can play with that and see what works best for you in your sleep, run your own personal experience er, experiments so because for, brains are for weird. Anybody who doesn't know what cortisol is, can you explain mm -hmm. that to us, please? Sure. Cortisol is a hormone that is released by the adrenal glands, which sit right on top of the kidneys. And cortisol is released to help us go into fight or flight. And so originally it was supposed to be, okay, you're walking along, you see a predator. Oh, crap. Gotta run. Cortisol floods <laughs> our bodies. Yeah. And it tells us to do things like, you know, open up the peripheral blood vessels and or sorry, uh, contract the peripheral blood vessels, bring the blood to the core, for, to the heart and lungs. So, so you can you know, run better. However, now we have cortisol releases with various stressors. So let's say somebody almost hits you when you're out walking. You're in New York. I'm sure that happens frequently. Uh, here in Atlanta, it happens when we're driving because it's, you know, we're getting better. It's not a super walkable city at the moment. But then the cortisol doesn't really have anywhere to go because we're not running away from a predator. So the cortisol can build up and then interfere with sleep at night. So for some people, especially people who tend to be a little bit more type A, a little bit more anxious, then exercise in the evening can help to work some of that out. So how many, speaking of type A, how many types are there and does each one of them get a specialized um, memo on how to get a better night's sleep. For instance, I definitely, just looking at all your notes, I fall into the super achiever mm -hmm. category. I want every day to be a spectacular day. I'm an <laughs> adrenaline junkie. I mm -hmm. I want some big event every day that, that basically is a cosmic pat on the shoulder saying, yes, Diane, good girl, you did it right. I don't ever <laughs> think that um, uh, particularly stressors from my performance anxiety don't make me sleep. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it runs through your mind. I will tell you that I'm also a total horror movie aficionado. And the other day I was watching um, the new True Detective with Jodie mm -hmm. Foster. And I mean, it doesn't get more horror. Uh, no, it, it, the horror in that, the scary parts of it, I just thought, you idiot you watched this right before you went to sleep and you know all night long i was just thinking oh my god oh my god uh, what a scary world because that that mm -hmm. show is really scary 
is that the norm? I mean, should we be watching something calm and like Ron calm instead of horror before we go to sleep at night? Or that really what you watch and absorb does not make a difference or does? Okay, so there were a few questions in there. So first, I am not that familiar with the different types uh, in cycle like A, B, uh, whatever. So that I don't know. However, I can tell you that I do see a lot of people who would fall into that type A. And even if they are not type A, they are very highly achievement motivated. That's where I, That's why I wrote my book, Better Sleep for the Overachiever. Yeah. And it only has one chapter on actual sleep tips and the rest of the book is all about, okay, and then here's the stuff that happens in your brain during the day that might contribute to you not sleeping at night. And then as for what we watch during the evening, yes, it is typically best to keep things light and easy. And it's also best to have a pre-bedtime routine that is relaxing and does not involve screens. Oh, dear. I don't know about that. Whoa. I know. Yeah. Half your audience or most of your audience just went like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's either the TV screen or it's the phone screen. It's TikTok. It's catching up mm-hmm. on fashion on Instagram. Whatever I'm doing, I am an entertainment junkie. I need that entertainment in front of me. And my feeling is where you plant in your brain right before you go to sleep is what's just going to keep on a loop. Mm-hmm. But I am going to ask you, uh, as someone who always has a conflicted sleep, do you believe there are any safe drugs out there to choose from? Like, let's say I'm planning on going to Europe in November. I'm planning on I'm trying to get a trip together to Japan. Sushi tasting, sushi and sashimi tasting throughout Japan. Oh my God, so excited. But those, especially the Japan trip, that's a profound plane ride and you are just Mm -hmm. messed up for days. Anything besides melatonin that is non-addictive, but generally very effective. So, Diane, I am a behavioral sleep medicine specialist, which means I am a PhD, not an MD, so I can't really answer this question. I think the best thing to do would be to talk to your own personal physician, your primary care doctor who knows you, who knows your brain. If you have a psychiatrist, that would be a good person to talk to as well. You know, I I have a certain trepidation with that only because... um, And it was funny, the FDA is about to okay a drug that is supposed to wipe away pain, but be absolutely non-addictive. And I thought, well, yeah, that's what you guys said about Oxycontin. Mm -hmm. And then we have that whole devolution into opioids. Um, So I really try and do it without any kind of ingestible except an occasional melatonin um what Mm -hmm. happens to your body anna when you're someone like me and you go to sleep at 10 p.m but you wake up at midnight and then you kind of get back to sleep again you wake up at 3 a.m and then you know 
Now, I'm just going to sit here and think about things I shouldn't think about. So I'm going to go to TikTok <laughs> and listen to music or watch baby cats. Or How does that interrupted sleep pattern affect what the benefits of sleep could be and should be if you could sail through the night on one dose of sleep? Well, first, let's talk about what might actually be happening. And of course, when I when I talk to my patients, we have a full initial evaluation. And so what our body does is we go through different sleep stages, which are then uh-huh. sleep cycles. And it's very normal for adults to wake up between these sleep cycles and later in the night between sleep stages. Ah. And so... One thing that people will do is they'll freak out because they're awake during the night. However, that is a natural part of sleep. Like they're awake, awake, really awake. Or the hope is that you wake up and then you roll over, you go back to sleep, or you wake up, you go pee, then you go back to sleep. When it comes to being awake, awake, that is potentially something that's going on with screens too close to bedtime because they activate the brain so the brain isn't entirely able to shut down also sleep in the screens in the middle of the night can make that worse also what happens is that yeah when people extend their time in bed to try to force more sleep you end up going to bed with a lower sleep drive and just like your hunger drive or your sex drive if you haven't done it for a while you really want to do it and you want to do more of it which is why in my profession we recommend not going to bed early to force sleep only going to bed when you are truly struggling to keep your eyes open sleepy and also you know compressing your sleep, although that's best done under the guidance of a behavioral sleep specialist. So we do something what, called what cognitive oh, a behavioral sleep specialist. Oh, compressing. Yeah. So it it would be say, I'm in bed for 10 hours and I'm only asleep for seven and a half of those 10 hours. It means that okay. you would compress your sleep to a window of about eight hours and say, okay, I'm only going to give myself eight hours in bed. And are you going to see results right away? Maybe not. But the thing is, you have to stick with it consistently. And that's what I hear. I tried Mm -hmm. that last night, actually. So I tried exercising longer, and then going to bed and watching like maybe just an hour of TV. and, and, And it actually gave me a better night's sleep, I must say. I was I was sort of shocked by that. So, yeah, that's definitely for me that sounds workable. And that mm-hmm. is something that I I thought last night, you know what? I'm going to try it this way and see if if it makes more sense for me and I honestly think it does. So, as a final question, because you are a sleep specialist, And I haven't asked you yet whether you sleep through the night, but we know on your site, your website, that you have a free download of Mm -hmm. sleep myths, and everybody should take advantage of that, honestly, who's listening, because I don't know anybody that says to me, oh, my God, I got such a great night's sleep last night. I sleep through every night. I I would want to smack them. Um, (laughs) you give us three sleep tips that can help get us 
on the way to a better night's sleep and more energy and creativity during the daytime. Yes, definitely. And typically, I sleep great. No, I don't sleep through the night. I wake up a few times and roll over. And I also have the occasional rough night like everybody does because it's part of being human. Right. So three sleep tips. So first, use the bed for sleep and sex only. I know we hear this. A lot of people don't do this. I tell people if they want to read on paper for like 15 to 20 minutes at the start of night to make the transition, that's fine. But you don't want to go any longer than that because the more you spend in bed doing non-sleep stuff, the more you're telling yourself, your body, your mind, that that is for being awake, not for being asleep. Oh. Oh, dear. Okay. So negative, definitely negative grade for me on number (laughs) one. How about number two and number three? Number two would be to keep your wake time variability between weekday and weekend to within an hour. So generally, the advice if you're having trouble sleeping is to keep a regular wake up time. However, my mentor, Michael Bruce, in his most recent book on sleep uh, chronotypes, so different types of internal clocks, he recommends that people can keep their uh, wake time variability to an hour, which I find works fairly well for those who sleep fine. So how are you doing on that one? Excuse me? So how are you doing on that one? What grade do you get on keeping your wake time variability? I'm a super disciplined person. So it's, it's, Oh, it, it's tough for me in the wintertime because I'm an early riser. So mm-hmm. in the summertime, I might get up as early as 5.30, for sure, 6 a.m. In the winter, it's still very dark here in New York City. But this morning, I was up at 6.15, and I actually, which I hate to do, ugh, had to turn the lights on, mm-hmm. um, which seems like, I don't like that as part of my morning routine. I like natural light. But um, yeah, I'm very disciplined about the time I go to bed, the time I wake up in the morning. And that's because also, Anna, I know I'm a morning person. So mm-hmm. I know that I will function the best creative in a creative way um, and an informational way before 2 p.m. So therefore, Mm -hmm. I want to make the most out of my morning hours. Um, That doesn't seem to help get me an entire night's sleep through the night, but at least I'm trying to make the most out of the day. So what is your third and final sleep tip? I would love to know. All right. So your third and final sleep tip is to connect with what you used to do when you were a kid. Or if you have had kids, what you do with them pre-bedtime, which is some variation of bath time, story time, bed. So the recommendation is to have a pre-bedtime routine, especially one that you can continue when you travel that does not involve screens. And so we recommend that an hour before bed, turn off your screens, go ahead and get ready, brush your teeth, wash your face, whatever it is that you do. And then for the rest of that hour, do something that you find relaxing, not on a screen. So if you are a reader, it's a great time to read. If you're a spiritual person, it's a great time to do your prayers or your meditations. If you have pain, it's a lovely time to do some stretching and mobility exercises so that maybe you don't wake up as stiff. 
but you know, just do something that you can repeat and do regularly every night. It's amazing because the more you talk about it, the more I realize what a screen junkie I am. Mm-hmm. It's always something going on a screen, no matter what. I want to check the weather I, so I know what to wear tomorrow. I want, I want to check my appointments. I want to do this and that. And it is, um, and I want to be fully entertained at mm-hmm. all times. So I see that I've got definitely a little bit of adjusting to do. And, you know, I want to tell the audience that you can go to Anna's website and we'll give you all the information and graphics along with um, the podcast and get a free download of her five tips that are kind of missteps, myths that are not not really good advice, but she's giving you the advice. Take a look at these and you may see within yourself that you've listened to people and you're wondering, "Mm, I'm still not sleeping. And believe me, you're not alone. I personally, Anna, think that we live in um, a time of a lot of conflict and a lot of misinformation. And so you're just bombarded by, by do it this way. No, do it that way. No, mm-hmm. because as many doctors have, as I've asked, should you exercise at night? Should you, is that going to help? Or the morning, you just get conflicting reports. Mm-hmm. I think also as my final remark, I, I hope you agree. Um, you have to become more sensitive to your own body. Mm-hmm. And through the advice you get, you will then start to to source out what you know is not going to work for you and, and what you see that, oh, that's compatible with me. I don't know, taking away all my screens, I think you would have to, like, tie me up. I, 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 I'd be like, no, don't take my phone away. I need TikTok at 3 (laughs) a.m. Anyway, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, I loved our discussion because only 20% of America actually gets enough quality sleep. And that is amongst all ages. And yes, I was the why sleep now, I'll sleep when I die kind of girl till I was about 40, 45. And now I'm the, oh, I wish I could just get one delicious good night's sleep kind of girl. But maybe you're going to help. So thank you. And please visit on his site so you can get that free download. Best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much, Diane. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget... Age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all 
too young to build.